This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. To left center, deep, gone, Brewers lead it. And a swing and a miss, he struck him out. Down the line, and that's the ball game. Hello, Brewers fans, and welcome to episode number four of Brewers Unfiltered. Number four, I am Adam McKelvey of Brewers.com. And while I sit in my glass-enclosed press box, safe from the rest of the world, our two co-hosts today are out there among the masses. Of course, you know Tim Dillard, who is the fantastic former Major League pitcher and pre- and post-game host on Bally, well, and in-game, I should say, in-game analyst on Bally Sports. Wisconsin. And with Bradford still out on paternity leave, by the way, he had the baby. Baby Eleanor is in the world and is a Brewers fan already. But with Brad still out on paternity leave, we are joined by the fantastic, wonderful, bilingual, brilliant Sophia Minert. So Sophia, hi. Hi. What an introduction, Adam. Well. (laughs) So kind of you. You speak 100% more languages than the rest (laughs) of us. So you deserve you know, a really good introduction. Plus you're out there. The people love you. And, you know, like I said, you're out there in the masses. You're the, you're the one who's talking to people all game long while you're trying to work. <laughs> I, it's part of the job, right? The, the reporting job, it's all talking and listening. Tim's been doing that too out there in the Davy Nelson corner, right, Tim? That's what I do. Yeah. Sometimes they pay me to talk about my, about what I know about baseball. <laughs> Most of the time I'm just like rattling off whatever comes to mind, but Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's what we're going to do here. Yeah. Let's just rattle off whatever comes to mind. Amen. Like 11 games in, we have to like preface everything I feel like in these early episodes by saying it's just X games, like Hunter Renfro told us in Baltimore. So it's just 11 games. The Brewers are above 500. You know, they've been hovering right around 500 so far. A little back and forth, a little back and forth in all the different areas of the game too. Up, Ups and downs early. I'll just ask you this. Let's start with Sophia as the... First timer on the pod. Just what's one thing that's encouraged you so far about these first 11 games? I think just the fact that you're starting to see, I think, individual guys start to settle in. And I think that's kind of, you know, when you're looking at the big picture, um, we've seen the ebbs and flows of seasons and every season is a little bit different. And I think, you know, specifically when you look at the pitching, right, the first time through the rotation, I think they were definitely still feeling some things out. And I think it was making that jump from a shortened spring training to a regular season. And you're not going to hear any of the players make any excuses about that. But I do think it's a real thing. You know, they just didn't have as much time. Um, and I, we, I think we spent so much time focusing on pitch counts that we didn't necessarily focus on how many times they were getting up and down in a game, um, how, you know, just in being on a mound in games. I think we kind of shortchanged them on that as well of, you know, think about their last spring training outing and then you put them at Wrigley Field and then you put them at Camden Yards for two road home openers. So um, I think, you know, watching them go through the second time through the rotation has been encouraging so far. I think, 
each of them individually took a step forward, looked a little bit more like themselves. You hope that that continues as we get deeper into the season. Um, and I think, you know, offensively as well, I think you're going to start to see individual guys, you know, things start to click a little bit. And hopefully that carries over to the group success. That, you know, Sophia, you mentioned this, this, this concept of ups is something that is to me recent that has become much more talked about in spring training. And by that, they mean just the times they get up to take the mound for a new inning. So it's basically like there's a, to me, a much higher focus in the last couple of years. Maybe this is a Chris hook thing, or maybe it's just the way baseball thinks about this stuff. Now a much bigger focus in the spring about just logging the number of innings being much more important than the number of pitches that you throw Tim, is it always, has that always been the concept and we've just missed talking about it because that's what you hear all these guys talk about. They, they, they do not talk about their total pitch count. They talk about the fact that they got up for six innings in a spring training outing, if that makes sense. Well, the first time I heard about it was 2006. I was in double a and Dave Yeager was the trainer. Who's the assistant trainer in the big leagues right now. Yeah. And what he did was start putting together a study when he came off the mound if, and it was a correlation for how long you were on the mound and then how long you sat on the bench. Um, and there's a, it's a two to one ratio, I guess is what his conclusion was. So that's the rest that you want, you know, twice as much rest in the dugout before you go out. So you start looking at some of these games with the starters, you know, maybe they do throw 25 or 30 pitches in the inning. We saw, uh, Freddie Peralta do that the other day comes in the dugout and then it's a one, two, three inning and he's back out there. So you, the, the ratios reversed and in that moment, you know, there's signs also too, with like people getting injured, you know, that's one way to stay healthy, but uh, ideally you don't want that. You don't want to stay out on the mound for 10 minutes, come sit in the dugout for two minutes and then get back out there. That's, that's never good. Well, um, and the cool thing that they do now in spring training is they just pull the guy off the mound. And I yeah. think that's like the best development that came from what I guess it was 2021 spring training when they first instituted this coming off the pandemic year where they allowed teams to just pull the pitcher mid inning if they get to a certain pitch count and then, finish the inning with someone else and then send that starter back to the mound. That, that's like the, it, it seems so simple and smart. Like how did it take 150 years to finally do it in these meaningless spring training games? But that I think has helped these guys prepare. Like think, think of where the Brewers would be at if they didn't have that to get ready for the season. These guys would definitely be short changed compared to where they're at in a short spring. Yeah, and Sophia's right, too. These guys need game action. Like, even if you throw in backfields in spring training, it's not the same as when you get under the lights and you're facing down Nolan Arenado or, you know, Paul Goldschmidt. Like, there's a huge difference. And part of a pitcher goes, man, am I even ready? Like, you don't have that thing to go back on and go, wow, I just built up all this time and all these pitches and all this experience to be ready for this moment. So I bet there's a little bit of that on the pitching side. But as far as the offensive side, I mean, you look at the Cardinals series as a test. My, what was the, what was the encouraged, right? Is that what you asked? Yeah. Like, I, I was just going to say, we should get back to the actual question, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. which was, <laughs> yeah, I got a text. We've already like, diverted. Tim, you're Brad. rambling. Uh, yeah. But to be encouraged, uh, I'm encouraged by some of these approaches. Like you look at Easter Sunday, the Brewers had seven hits, but they had seven walks. Uh, what, what they're willing to do is go out there and just let the other pitchers just kind of wear it, which I don't think that they were willing to do that till maybe May or June of last year, where they just decided, you know what, we don't have to hit a home run every time. And you know what, they're actually up there in sacrifice hits too. I had to look this up since I, <laughs> I am an analyst sometimes. Uh, the Brewers are tied fifth in MLB with four sack flies. I don't know if they had any of those in the first couple months. Just 
just a little bit of situational hitting that didn't come along till later. The Brewers have put emphasis on it, and I think they've looked really good. Okay, let's. Uh, I'll I'll just chime in on one. I'll specifically say I, I think it's very encouraging the way Christian Yelich is striking the baseball. I mean, this game comes down to hit the ball hard, and he has been doing that. Um, I'm sure people have seen some of the stats, but there's you know he he's like racking up numbers of hard hits that like equal what he had last season, and he's doing it early. So I think that's really encouraging. Obviously, the grand slam. On Monday night against um, the Pirates was a huge moment in the game and kind of put really put that game away. And they were able to cruise to a comfortable victory after a very uncomfortable victory the day before and give the Josh Hader, Josh Haters of the bullpen a, a good rest and let the other guys finish out the game. So I think that's really encouraging. That guy has worked really, really hard under intense pressure. Nobody feels that pressure or, or nobody, nobody is putting more pressure on him to produce than himself. And that can work against you sometimes in baseball. So he's trying to find the right mindset of like grinding through this, trying to get back to being the dude for the team, um, but also not doing doing that to the point where it, it is detrimental. So he's trying to walk that tightrope. And I think it's been really encouraging so far. So Andy Haynes in the house last night with the Pirates, the former Brewers hitting coach, who obviously was such a big influence on Yelich. And Yelich said before the game that, you know, that's that's an impossible job hitting coach you like it's like the middle reliever of the coaching world you you never get any of the credit you always get all of the blame just like a good middle reliever right tim yeah you're speaking the truth man yeah i would like i would like to hear sophia's thoughts on it on just Yelich last night you spoke to him right after the game was over i thought that was really good uh what's something that you've seen with Yelich? I think all of all of the above, like nobody cares more than Christian. And I think that is true going back to 18, 19, um, coming back from the knee injury. I think what we've seen at the early part of this year, um, you know, nobody, nobody cares more. And I remember having a conversation with with Andy Haynes of kind of the way he described it of like, it's it's absolutely just relentless what he puts himself through every day, right, to keep himself physically ready to take care of the back, which to his credit, you know, since the beginning of last year has not really been an issue, right? He had that IL two IL stints um, because of the back last year. And, and since then it hasn't been an issue for him, but that's to his credit of what he has figured out of what works for him to keep himself available. Um, the work that he puts in, um, you know, we, we see it sometimes he doesn't hit uh, BP on the field every day, but it's a lot of time in the cage. It's a lot of time watching video. It's a lot of time physically getting himself ready. And he, he definitely knows what the expectations are. Um, he does not shy away from that. He hears all of the criticism. He's very much aware of that. And Adam, I think, you know, we saw how emotional he was at the end of last year when they were eliminated in the DS and it was him at the plate, right. For that final out. And, he, he feels all of that. He wears all of that. So I think like he, the, no one doubts his talent or his ability. We have seen him perform at an absolute peak elite level. I think he is obviously trying to work to get back to that. And, you know, Craig Council has said, like, there are different ranges to what Christian Yelich can be. And that's OK. They don't necessarily need him to be at that peak elite level every single day. Is that a reasonable expectation? Probably not, you know, to put on a single individual. This is a very different looking team than what they had in 18 and 19 when he was the dude. Um, so 
I think it's more just like, can he consistently be himself? And he's definitely shown that. I think like Adam said, with the hard contact and also the walks, the walks are a huge part of what he's able to do of just getting on base. And then once he's on the bases, there's, there's nobody that runs the bases better than him. So I think just him getting on is, is a good thing <laughs> for this offense. Well, there was that, the, the, where, where this sort of manifested, I think the walk Sophia is uh, the game in Baltimore and I'm, you just have to forgive the games are already running together, but they, the, the Orioles had a lefty and they walked Yelich, which is going to happen all the time in a big spot. And here comes McCutcheon hitting right-handed who mashes lefties. The rule, obviously now people know the three batter rule. You have to face three batters or finish an inning. So the lefty stays in to face McCutcheon and he delivered a big hit that won the game. And I think that's the formula that they think they're going to see because Yelich is so good at taking those walks when they're given to him and then rely on the guys behind him to come through. And the way they, they have sort of the left, right, left, right, that should help this offense produce. So maybe this is a segue into question number two is with, again, with the caveat that it's 11 games and like nobody's panicking and like, let's not overblow this, but this early in the season, Tim, maybe give, give me one thing that has you mildly concerned or yeah, I'll just phrase it like that. Mildly concerned. Um, really no concerns. Uh, I just, I've, I've seen oh, too much so easy going. <laughs> yeah, this is great, man. <laughs> I would love to live a day in listen, Tim Dillard's listen, world. I played for a long time. You want to, <laughs> I have to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. Like you can't sit there and go, okay, well I'm supposed to hit 500 out of the gate for the first 11 games. Like it's not going to happen. I'm supposed to strike everybody out. I would say the only concern I have is a very obvious one and it's the walks. The Brewers pitching, uh, is second in baseball, all of baseball in walks at 50. Uh, that's too many. That just that's just too many. And I guarantee they're having those conversations. And, you know, this is one of the big things. It's like, oh, just throw a strike. Right. You hear the fans. Sometimes you want to yell at yourself. I'm sure you're like, just throw a strike. Pitching's hard. It just <laughs> is hard. That's why these guys love golf so much, because it's about the smallest itty bitty adjustments. And when it's early in the season and your, your spring training didn't, you know, wasn't long, you don't know what the adjustment is in the moment. So you see these guys, maybe the first inning, they struggle, walk two or three guys. They go in the dugout, they come back out. That's where the conversations come from. The catcher, pitching coach Chris Hook, and then suddenly they do have the adjustment. But for whatever reason, it's just it's it's hard early on to make that quick adjustment where I'm like, oh, okay, here it is. Big one is Freddie Peralta, his slider uh, in Chicago. He was It wasn't good. It was hanging. It was almost like it was a backup curveball, and he ends up giving up that home run, but then after that, he comes back out and the sliders, what we've seen in the past. So there was an adjustment made. So the only concern I have would probably be there's just too many free passes. You can't give that many guys a, a ride on the reading, right? You got to you got to make them swing the bat or make something else happen. But free passes are great at Disney World, but not at not as a pitcher. Sophia, what are you completely freaked out about? Oh, wow. <laughs> How come Tim got mildly concerned and I got completely freaked out? <laughs> No, I, I agree. The walks, the walks, but I think the walks are also a little bit of an anomaly, right? Like I, I, this is not characteristic of who this pitching staff is, um, certainly not in the rotation. I think where they've really felt that is the two out walks that they've allowed to come around and score. I think that's, I don't know what the numbers were on the road trip, um, but those two out walks, I think, just haunt you um, and how they can put your offense in a hole. And I think I think those are the ones that really burn pitchers. Right, Tim, Like when you feel like you're a pitch away and out away from getting out of a jam and and it, it comes around to burn you. Um, 
I mean, other than that, I just think, I guess it was similar, similar to that, you know, Devin Williams falls in that category, you know, with the walks that we've seen from him in the last two appearances. And we talked to Craig Council about that the other day, Adam, is, you know, it's his changeup is such an elite pitch and he certainly needs the fastball command off of that. And the hits that he have given has given up have all come on the changeup, right? The Cardinals really made it tough on him in his last appearances. It was 37 pitches for him, um, you know, not able to get out of the inning. And I think, you know, he got off to such a great start, right? The Cubs outing, it was what 11 pitches for him, 10 strikes, two punch outs. I mean, it was mid season, reliever of the year Devin Williams out of the gate day one and then you know since then it's um he was able to work out of the jam in Baltimore you know load the bases and then come back with three strikeouts and then the last two appearances have been long appearances for him and then Craig Council said that's the concern really more than anything right now you feel like he can work through the command um but 28 pitches in in the Baltimore outing then 37 against the Cardinals I think just that is is probably a little bit more concerning because you feel like Devin is a strikeout pitcher. That's what he has been. Um, that's what he'll continue to be. He just has been missing that put away pitch. And and again, not completely freaked out, but yeah. it's been a little bit of a yeah. tightrope for him um, in the eighth inning, the last couple of appearances. I think the velocity is a little reason for concern. It's down. I mean, he's topping out under his averages from last year. So, but on the other hand, he's having these long, outings and the one in Baltimore mm-hmm. was a back-to-back long outing which is obviously yeah. going to impact the velo it's early in the year the velo is not going to be peak in April typically although I think his firmest pitch mm-hmm. ever was in April it was an April appearance last year maybe um so all of those for all of those reasons and I think Sophia you nailed it like that Cubs outing was so good that that is almost the perfect outing for a pitcher and yeah, that that should mitigate some of the concern. I'll, I'll say one other concern, just to totally change the topic. You know, they're at the bottom of the league in home runs, and mm-hmm. as a team, and they played two games with the wind blowing in at Wrigley to start. And you're talking about two elevenths of their game so far. So that's a not. Someone can do the math and tell me what percentage that is. Tim, quick. You didn't tell me the math on this show. <laughs> uh, so I'm that, out. That's, this is crazy. <laughs> that's part of I think. And then three games in Baltimore where I don't know when someone's well, right-handed hitter is going to hit a homer over that new wall in left field at Camden Yards. It's going to be May maybe, and someone's going to have to crush one. Maybe when Stanton and the Yankees go in there, they'll finally hit a homer over that wall. So that's part of it, I think, as well. But, you know, before Yelich hit his grand slam, they had five home runs as a team, three in one game at Wrigley with the wind blowing out to left. So that's one thing I think, I'm not going to say concern, but it, it's something to keep an eye on because being better, being more potent offensively was a big project for them in the off season. So I think that's, that's one thing just to keep an eye on going forward. Well, I would, I, I'll say this. You can't always hit home runs. You can't plan for the home run. You like it when it comes, but you cannot plan for it. And I like that. I feel like the Brewers offense is doing that. They're planning like, okay, if we hit a home run, great, but we're not going to, we're not going to, you know, bank on it because what Sophia brought up is the two out walks. You know, the Brewers have been uh, giving two out walks. Well, they've also been taking them as well. Yelich uh, uh, has done it. McCutcheon's done it. Like just get it, extending those innings. The Brewers have done a great job of that. 
uh, which is is detrimental to pitching when you have two outs and then suddenly you walk a guy. There was the old Nashville Sound scoreboard uh, before it completely just you know got destroyed and blew up one game. Uh, it had one graphic on the on the jumbotron, and it was a guy that was like kind of leaking back and forth and it would say two out walks will haunt you you know like that was that's how important it was it had a graphic from 1975 or whatever <laughs> like but the brewers are doing that to other teams and and you look at the cardinal series i had to write this down this is ridiculous there was 46 runs scored in that series 29 of them were with two outs and walks <laughs> were probably half of that uh, because it was it comes to the forefront so for whatever reason uh, there's been a lot of walks this year on both sides, but at least the Brewers are taking advantage of it as well on the offensive side. Well, I think this is a good time to take a break, and I'd just like to say that I'm proud of Sophia and I that neither of our animals have ruined the podcast so far. <laughs> Zach the cat has been very well-behaved, mostly because I've been corralling him, and I haven't heard Reggie, Reggie the dog. He's ta- he's taking a morning nap, <sighs> and let's hope that that continues. That's what I'm going to do as soon as, this, <laughs> soon as we're done. <laughs> Yeah, Tim, do you have any pets there in the hotel? Not in the hotel, no. I have a pug back home, but oh, she's here? really no. old, can't see or hear, so <laughs> she wouldn't even know if we were doing a, a podcast or not. Well, here we go. Well, uh, let's take our break, and when we come back, we will talk a little bit more about the, what we've seen from the Brewers' bullpen so far, and then our favorite segment, Sophia, I don't know if you know about this yet, is the trivia. And no pressure, but my we're, we're keeping season score. And my point is going to ride on your knowledge of the city of Milwaukee. <laughs> so, I mean, no pressure, I'm, but I'm all gonna the pressure. Tr- I'm going to do my best with the, the look that you are giving me <laughs> through the screen right now. <laughs> I think I'm going to start sweating a little I'm bit. I'm giving you segment. the look that coincides. This, uh, this, will, this is a deep brewer's cut that coincides with Mark Atanasio's message to the team prior to the 2020 <laughs> season. <laughs> So those who know what that means. Yeah, you remember. Okay, good. That's the look I'm giving you right now. Anyway, we will be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We are back, and in honor of 414 Day last week, our trivia is going to be Milwaukee-themed. I previewed this before we took that long break. So, Tim knows how this works, but for Sophia, this is a sort of family feud style trivia deal. You'll get a chance to answer a question. If you get it right, you get a point for me. If you get it wrong, Tim gets a chance to steal and vice versa. You'll get a chance to steal his. So we are one and one or whatever, one to one so far. How are we only one to one if we play? Because we both lost the first episode. (sighs) We didn't get anything right. (laughs) Doesn't bode well for this Oh, man, I've blocked that completely out of my mind. Okay, <laughs> so we're, it's, it's tied one-to-one, Sophia. So, I mean, like, like I said, no pressure. Um, are you ready? I think I'm so. I'm supposed to ask if you're I'm ready. I'm a little nervous. Question one is for you, Sophia. I think oh, you're going to no. get this. Okay. Well, I think you're going to get this. Okay, 
It is, like we said, Milwaukee-themed trivia. Which of these movies was not filmed in Milwaukee? There are four movies. Bridesmaids, Transformers Dark of the Moon, The Breakup, or Public Enemies. One of those movies was not filmed in Milwaukee. Tell me if you need them again. I'm going to go with Transformers. Tim, you're going to get a chance to steal this. Or, or those are the, yeah. I know Bridesmaids was filmed there. Oh, I no. know Transformers was filmed there. Really? I, I, d- I have no I idea. I did not know that. How do you not know that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wait, and really? And Public Enemies and uh, The Breakup. The Breakup was those filmed. Are in, the- well, The Breakup was filmed in Chicago. I don't know if they ended up filming here as well. That seems like the most plausible. But Public Enemies, I don't know. Um, I'm going to say, you're saying was not filmed. Exactly. The, not I'm gonna filmed. Say, I'm going to say Public Enemies. Oh, Tim, you had it and you talked yourself out of it. No. <laughs> the breakup was filmed in Chicago. You actually said the answer, but. <laughs> well, I didn't know. They seemed like it was close. Like maybe they had to get some other shots. Scenes. Here. Yeah. 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 Oh, what is the breakup? I thought the same thing about the breakup. It's with Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn. Oh, it's like a yeah, great yeah, yeah, little yeah, yeah. rom-com. Okay. Yeah. I saw Vince Vaughn in Chicago once when we were playing the Cubs. I was pushing a stroller. I had a bunch of kids in it. <laughs> and I heard his voice before I even saw him. And I turned around and I thought, what am I going to say to this guy? I could say like a thousand lines from his movies. And I was like, no, I'm not going to be that guy. So I nodded. He was wearing sweatpants. I, I, <laughs> I'm surprised that I had no idea that transfor- that a Transformers movie was filmed in Milwaukee. Like, yeah, I had filmed- absolutely no idea. I, I would like to know what exactly was filmed. Well, it's the, uh, here. What, what, it's the uh, architectural thing that's like right in the middle of the city. It's like white. The Calatrava, the art museum. Oh, the art museum. Yeah, the art museum. I couldn't say the real name of it. So for whatever reason, um, uh, Shia LaBeouf is uh, dating a a robot. I don't want to spoil it for everybody. It's 10 years old. Um, And she like pulls up in a car like in front of that. And it's pretending to be like some other place. But that's really all they did. Michael Mm. Bay just wanted to use a cool backdrop to like one small scene, I believe. Wow. I don't even know why I know that. You have a lot of knowledge, and unfortunately, you just you you literally had the answer. You just chose poorly, yeah. and I'm glad you did. And here's your question, and I hope you choose poorly again. <laughs> okay, question number two for Tim. Milwaukee has been considered the national headquarters for which sport? Bowling, baseball, racquetball, or hurling? What was? Are you saying hurling? Hurling with an H. No C. No C. There is an H. <laughs> okay, curly. Um, Sam. Sam again. You can say him faster. I just. The choices are. Well, I thought I said him pretty fast. Bowling. <laughs> Bowling. Baseball. Baseball. Racquetball. Racquetball. Hurling. Hurling. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm going to say racquetball. I don't. Sophia, you have a chance to talk. <laughs> this is so exciting. Exciting. I'm going to say. Bowling. Oh, you are such a good Milwaukee girl. Well, I would say Southern Wisconsin girl because that is 100% correct. Oh, I thought, yes. I thought that was Reno. I'm on the board. Bowling is, uh, uh, Milwaukee is known as America's bowling capital. And I believe that the American Bowling Congress was located out by Southridge Mall, but I think that's not there anymore. But I oh, just remember the, it as a kid going to Southridge. In American Family Field, they would build a bowling alley in right field. They've done that a few times. I should have known that. <laughs> well, I have to say that I now lead two to one in this season long standing. Thank you, Sophia, very much. Because Well, I will was, say uh, Reno, Nevada has like the bowling center. Like that's where they are you saying you want to challenge? Are you, are no, you no, no, no. I'm just saying I'm just saying. 
that Reno's big into bowling as well. <laughs> That's all I got. Go ahead. Next one. That's one of uh, Euchre's best lines is that he batted uh, 200. For, he averaged 200 for his career, which is equal to one of our great bowlers, Don Carter. That's one of Euchre, one of the great Eucharisms. But 200 seems low for Don Carter, I have to say. But I'm, n- I'm not going to question Euchre, obviously. That's not allowed on this podcast, <laughs> yeah. right? No, that's not. But let's talk more Brewers Ever. and get because I feel like I've exhausted the bowling talk. Um, I'll start with Sophia again. Uh, but just takeaways from Aaron Ashby's first start. He's such a critical guy based on the last couple of years and what we've seen. The pitchers who are in that role bouncing back and forth have played such a role. What did you think from what you saw from Aaron Ashby as a starter for the first time? I I thought overall it was really good. I mean, considering just, you know, it's, it's interesting because he's falling into that role that is a pretty clear blueprint for how the Brewers have handled some of these guys like Brandon Woodruff coming up and Corbin Burns coming up. Adrian Hauser was in this role for a little bit too, right? Where you're that swing guy of you might be long relief with scheduled outings, which is what they've done with Aaron Ashby. Um, But going back to spring training, you know, the messaging was very clear, right, Adam, that Mm -hmm. we are going to stretch him out as a starter. He is going to start games. It might be a six man rotation at times. Um, with, you know, different parts of the schedule. And so, you know, talking to Aaron about it, he's he's talked to those guys about that role and how to handle it. And it's it's not necessarily the starting role that is the challenge for him. It's it's the relief role um, because that's a little bit newer to him. Um, But I thought, you know, I think it really goes back to what he was able to do in the previous outing against Baltimore. Right. It was three and a third. He was able to get up to almost 70 pitches. I mean, it felt like a start, more or less. Um, and I think he was able to get all of his pitches in that he wanted, still working through command, I think, like everyone. But then I think, you know, you're facing as good of a lineup as you're going to see against St. Louis. And I thought he handled it really well. You know, I think he he is a guy that says that, you know, the more he's on the mound, the deeper he gets into a game, the more he can mix in his stuff that's when he feels like he's at his best. And so I think he he handled that really well against a really tough lineup. I think there's a, just a ton of reasons for optimism with him of what he could do, like the innings that he could cover for this team this year. Um, he did share a great story about Albert Pujols um, and the home run that he gave up to him of attending Pujols' hitting camps as a kid. Um, and joking around like, Hey, I wish, I wish Pujols would have maybe taught me to hit a little bit better. Um, and obviously, obviously you don't want to give up the homer to Pujols there in that situation. But I thought aside from that mistake to him, it was, it was a really good outing for him. And, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do this year. Kansas city kids, both of them, right? Ashby? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember in spring training asking each of the starters what their priority was for the for the camp. Mm. And I got Woodruff and Ashby kind of side by side. And Woodruff jumped in and answered for Ashby and said, strikes, strikes at the bottom of the zone. Mm-hmm. And this guy is going to be really, really good, uh, that the talent is undeniable. And that seems so far like what it is. And when he throws strikes at the bottom of the zone, he's he's really tough. T- Tim, what do you think about Ashby? That's 100% correct. Woodruff was very smart. And one of the big hangups, my buddy is the one that got him drafted, Drew Anderson with the Brewers, former outfielder, teammate of mine, uh, turned scout. And that was was a scouting report. This guy has electric stuff. He just needs to throw it in the zone. Um, He did have four walks in his outing the other day. Three, 
he walked the last pitch was a slider. He also hit a guy on a slider. So his slider is fantastic, but you do have to be a little bit more accurate with it. But willing to throw it, you know, with three balls, that shows a lot of guts. And you know what? The home run to Pujols, um, it was it came after an error. I think what a lot of times gets overlooked with a guy with electric stuff is you're always looking for strikeouts. He did have four strikeouts, but um, he also gets a lot of ground balls. He got six outs from ground balls. Could have been more than that when you start looking at the errors that end up leading to the, the three-run homer, even though it was unearned. His ERA is a one. Aaron Ashby is just the complete pitcher, and he it's almost like the game's really easy for him. <laughs> All he has to do is repeat his mechanics and, and throw the ball over the plate uh, a lot of times, and stuff's going to go his way. But what with great power comes great responsibility, right, Uncle Ben from Spider-Man? <laughs> so even though he does have this great talent, it's just like, you know, Devin Williams with the airbender. It's just like Josh Hader with, with everything he throws. To be that nasty, you just it, it takes an incredible level of athleticism and an incredible level of focus and intensity. Because if you take a moment off, it, you don't just miss, you miss by a ton. And, and things can go awry from there. So uh, I think what he's learning with the being in the bullpen and being a starter is just whatever that mentality is, it's different. It's different if you're a bullpen guy uh, than if you're a starter. If a starter, you throw the first pitch, it's get me over, and the guy hits a home run. It's not really that big a deal. You come in the seventh inning with a guy on base, and the game's tied, and you throw a get me over, game could be over. So it, I think that's what he's learning to do, and he's doing it well. Speaking of mentality, I, I just like the the – culture that they've built there with those pitchers of, you know, I, I'm old enough to remember a time when a, a starter quote, I'm using air quotes would come up and get used out of the bullpen and not be happy about it because I'm a starter. And they've built this culture now where guys come up at this outgetter culture. Um, and it's like a real thing because it started with, well, I don't know how far back you can go, but in the current crop, it started with Brandon Woodruff coming up getting his feet wet in relief and kind of starring in the 2018 postseason in this back and forth sort of role, making these short starts, um, appearing in relief, homering off Clayton Kershaw, all that stuff. And it's continued with the guys since then. And they've built this culture where like you, I believe the guys when they say, I just want to come up and pitch. And maybe there was a time where you wouldn't believe a guy, a big time prospect starting pitching prospect who'd come up. And I think that's one of the best things that uh, Craig council and Chris Hook have built with this team is this this idea of the outgetter, um, because there's I think the way Craig Council's put it is and maybe someone one of you used this word there's a blueprint for coming up filling that role and then eventually settling into a role as a starter and having a lot of success, like pitching wise and frankly, pers- financially. Um, Freddie Peralta signed a nice deal and Woodruff and Burns are now uh, getting compensated in arbitration for what they've done and our candidates maybe for a big extension if, if both sides are able to come to something. So I, I just think that's kind of a cool thing that doesn't, it's, it's, you don't see it on the field, but it definitely is something that happens in the clubhouse. It's something they all talk about, work together to be successful at. And um, I think that's one of the cool things about this team. So changing. If I can just add sure. to that, Adam, yeah. I'm sorry. No, go. Um, just talking, talking to Ashby about that, you know, and, and like his conversations with, with Brandon and Corbin and some of the guys who have gone through this before is, you know, he said it's, it's like training wheels and, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, I think about Aaron Ashby's just 23 years old and it feels like he was, I mean, he was such a big part of how they were able to finish the season last year, but it was just 13 games, you know, it was 13 games. It was only four starts. 
He was able to pitch in the postseason, which is such valuable experience, right? I mean, huge experience for him to be in, to be put in those spots and in that environment um, and on the road, right? I mean, all of that stuff that the experience matters always. Um, but he said, you know, it's even in that relief role, it's it's scheduled outings. They're still, you know, putting him in a spot setting him up to succeed, right? It's it's scheduled outings. He goes out and he warms up after the starter. They try to mimic a starter routine for him, right? To keep him as comfortable or as close to what he's most familiar with. And he said it's like it's like training wheels. It's like a little crutch out there and and that helps, I think, like to your point, managing that of something that's new, a different challenge, but let's put them in a position to succeed. And I think when you see Brandon Woodruff succeed, Corbin Burns succeed, Freddie Peralta succeed. I think that makes, to your point, I think that makes them trust the plan, right? It makes them trust the plan of like, this has worked for these guys. You know, it's my job to now follow suit. And next maybe is Ethan Small, who has like a 0680 ERA down at Nashville right now and is pitching great and will definitely pitch for the Brewers at some point this season. And and who knows what role. So Mm -hmm. exactly. speaking of success, Trevor Gott is uh, one of the great stories early out of this Brewers bullpen. I've said this before on the pod, I think. Here's the thing that tells me the most. The Brewers signed him on the first day of free agency, the morning after game six of the World Series. The Braves were still stinking wet, and Trevor Gott was a Milwaukee Brewer. Is stinking stinking wet? I don't know what that means, but I do know (laughs) what it means, but it doesn't sound right. Yeah. So, Tim, uh, besides the hair, what, what do you like so far about Trevor Gott? I mean, just watching him pitch, just the arm action's really good. He's throwing a, a hard cutter, um, fills up the zone. I think the biggest thing that I've seen so far is he's come in with five guys on base and none have scored. So when you start talking about, okay, well, where's the, you know, what's the value? What are you going to see going forward? To have a guy in the bullpen that's just comfortable with guys on base and getting out of a jam is pretty amazing. We saw Trevor Richards last year as soon as he came here, um, they threw him in the mid, like midst of a game where the base is loaded, like the game's on the line, nobody out. And he ended up getting out of that inning. And that just set up so much value of going, okay, we have a guy we can rely on. That's Trevor got right now, regardless of what's going on, you, you put him out there in a jam and he gets out of it. Like that's he, that may be his role going forward. Like, Hey man, we don't games on the line in the third, you know, games on the line in the sixth, you know, here you go. There's five guys on base. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. And like, again, we talk about following the leader of like what's come before. Trevor Gott can look at this Brewers team and see all these guys who have been sort of like made the team out of spring training and then ended up being like huge pieces. Jake Cousins last year, Brad Boxberger last year. Boxberger was an established big league pitcher, so a little different. But there's just examples of Craig Council giving the ball to I, Trevor Gott's pitched in the big leagues as well. I don't want to like undersell his experience, but relatively unheralded guys are put in big spots with this Brewers team if they earn it. And it's like, there's this, you can see this track record of that in the past. Uh, Sophia, you got a chance to talk to God a lot in spring training, right? What, mm-hmm. what do you think about what he's bringing? Yeah. I, I personally, I love stories like this because I think his background is really interesting of, you know, in 2020, he was closing games for the Giants and then was dealing with an injury. And that led to just poor results. And then he it's ended his season. And then he didn't even pitch in the major leagues last year. He was in AAA in Sacramento the whole year. And 
I think that was a tough pill for him to swallow, but he took the approach of, I'm going to use this time to essentially break myself down and get back to the things that he felt he'd gotten away from in his time with the Giants. And he worked on all of his pitches. He went back to the sinker. He went back to working on the cutter. Um, He was thrilled to have this opportunity to sign, as you said, like on the first day of free agency. It showed him right away, like the Brewers saw something in him. They had confidence in him, right? Because they signed him to a major league deal. Um, And so... I think what he showed in spring training um, was kind of the product of all of that. And I, I I always give guys a lot of credit, right, for like taking what could be a really tough year of having to spend the whole year in AAA after you had just been closing games um, and using that time to work on yourself and, and improve all of your stuff and come back. And, you know, he said, too, which I thought was really interesting at spring training, that there was the most learning that he had done in just what, two or three weeks with the information, the feedback, um, working with Chris Hook and Jim Henderson and and Walker McKinvin, um, that stood out to me, right? Of like when a player says like, wow, I'm taking in a lot of information and I'm getting really good feedback. Um, you know, you hope that that continues. And I think it's, you know, for, for a guy like that, establishing himself on a new team, these early results, they're, they're important. You know, it, it builds confidence and it helps you feel more comfortable. Yeah, he said he loves the, the analytics that they've given him, like the way the Brewers have communicated it. Um, here's, what, here, here's what we think you need to do to be good, and here's why. And Trevor Gott has said the, the why was just communicated in a better way than he's experienced before, and that was a strength of this team, whether that's Jim Henderson or – Chris Hook, probably all of the above, plus, you know, Walker McKinvin and uh, Brian Poalish. They have all these guys that are, you know, maybe, and there's more, right? There's a lot more people working behind the scenes to deliver that information to players. And Trevor Gott really said that his favorite thing so far is just the, the way he's heard uh, the information has been very helpful for him. So I asked if he was, you know, Sophia knows that my main goal in life is to get into the lab in spring training. <laughs> Does it and exist? Not, I hear it's underground. <laughs> it exists, believe me. Oh, yeah. And they taunt us with it. The door to the lab, we have to walk past to get into the clubhouse. And our the roundabout way writers have to get into the clubhouse. So they taunt us with this with this lab. So he he's not necessarily a lab guy, but I think a lot of the information comes from that wing of the organization. And um, I don't know. I'm somehow going to try to spin this in a way to get in the lab. Well, I'll get I, in this lab someday. If it exists, which it does, but I think it's underground still. No, I I think it reminds me a lot of Hunter Strickland too. Hunter Strickland came over, you know, kind of choppy in years past and, and, you know, gets with this crew here and they kind of iron out some things as a pitcher. When someone comes to you and says, listen, your stuff is great. We're going to help you maximize it. And all you have to do is this. And we have the data to sit there and say, okay, we, you know, and you can believe the data or not, but people worked really hard to, and it's all to convince you to say, okay, you need to work on this pitch. It'll complement this. And so that right there is a game changer. Like maybe you've only thrown a curveball in a four seamer when they're like, okay, well your four seamer does this. It's more of this spin. So you need a slider that's complements that it's going to disguise it better. And we're going to teach you how to throw it. And this is where you need to release it from like that stuff right there. It just makes things so much more simple until as opposed to you're a pitcher and you're just kind of flandering around like in AAA, like I did for decades where you're just like, what am I doing? Am I doing this right? <laughs> and you're only going off of stats, which we all know reliever stats can, you know, they don't really mean much in that regard, but 
that's that's the 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 two sides of the coin. Here's a bunch of information. Here's why you're going to be good. Uh, and then there's no information. It's like, yeah, just good luck, kid. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's look ahead briefly. Uh, Sophia is going to Philadelphia this weekend. And so are the Brewers. Or I so assume, Sophia, you're going. I, am, I mean, yeah, yes. I don't know why I had a question that you're always going. <laughs> I am not going on that leg. I'm going to save up my energy for Pittsburgh and some uh, Primanti sandwiches mm. in Pittsburgh. So um, I'll start with Sophia. Looking ahead to this uh, Phillies series, I don't know if you've thought about this yet, but but I don't know. What are you looking for in that series, whether for you traveling personally or just Brewers baseball-wise? Um, the Phillies are an interesting team, I think. You know, like, I think offensively they have a lot of talent. Um, but I mean, it's so again, it's so early. I feel like they're probably in the same position, you know, the Brewers are. They're still figuring out who they are as a team. Um, but, I mean, yes, we always hope for good weather in Philly, um, mm-hmm. especially on that Sunday night baseball. <laughs> Sunday night baseball coming back to play the San Francisco Giants at home for one game. Um Oh, that's but, right. You guys yeah, lost think, an off day in the middle of this trip. It was supposed to be Philly off day Pittsburgh. Now it's Philly back home to American Family Field for one game at five o'clock against the Giants. Correct. And then correct. back all the way back to Pennsylvania. And then back out to Pittsburgh. Yes. Got it. So this is going to be an interesting portion of the schedule. Um, but I think with the probables, um, Zach Wheeler. Aaron Nola will be on the mound. So familiar, familiar people there. And Ranger Suarez um, in the opener. It goes Suarez, oh, Wheeler, okay. so Nola. So yeah, but, but you know, your point's taken that basically the Phillies best, the Brewers are going to see the Phillies best starters. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's a good challenge for sure. That's a good challenge. I think um, Wheeler's always tough. I think they've had better success against Nola. Yeah. Um, did they face Nola last year? <laughs> That would require me to remember anything beyond. <laughs> I'm still just trying to get through, man. How nice is it to be home for a week? I mean, I feel like my brain is resetting right now. It's still resetting. It's like cooling in the in the fridge for a little while right now at home. I agree. I agree. Um, it is nice. I think everyone appreciates this week just to settle in a little bit. Just for us to get like, you know, discombobulated again in the, over the weekend recombobulated I think yeah you want to get recombobulated over the weekend uncombobulated discombobulated would be bad ultrabobulated I think that I think I well I think I think the travel back and forth is going to make us a little, a little discombobulated, discombobulated. Yeah. yeah Tim what do you think yeah. about the Phillies I Bryce Harper has a little elbow thing going on um Sophia said really good offense you can't mess around with those guys that's true and I mean you know some of those guys that did a lot of damage against the Brewers last year are not there anymore um McCutcheon one of them I think he's gonna play a role hey you know he'll give tips he'll give tips he won't sit there and go behind you know a pitcher's back (laughs) that he knows and go hey this is what he does but there are going to be tips in there hey what do you got on this guy um pitchers will ask him too hey how do I get out this guy and that stuff matters Um, and I think they I think it's good that they have kind of someone they can rely on and talk to and get some you know kind of pick their brain Uh, but I I mean Wheeler's just he's tough He's tough. He's he's the Brandon Woodruff. He's going to go out there. I remember they faced off last year. I think they faced off against each other. Uh, it was just 100. I think it was a complete game through like 112, 115 pitches. The guy's a workhorse. Uh, yeah. to, and to get at him and to bother him, it's, it's really difficult because he doesn't walk a lot of people. Uh, but the team ERA is a five ERA. So maybe they can 
take advantage of that. You know, Philly's given up some runs, but it's going to be a tough series. But um, then it's then it's back home for one game <laughs> before they go yeah, to Pittsburgh. So they so, so they can look forward to that. Great travel. <laughs> I wish we would have got a Corbin Burns Zach Wheeler matchup, but we we won't. Oh, that would be fun. Burns pitches tonight, uh, and Wheeler has that Saturday game. So maybe I haven't looked too far enough ahead on the Brewers and. Now it's hard to figure out because with Ashby in the mix, we don't know where he's going to come and go. And the Brewers are kind of going series to series with their mm-hmm. probable pitchers. So Craig Council has not yet announced how he's going to line up his starters for that series. But it'll be a, a good weekend test against a team that definitely has postseason aspirations. I'm actually curious on if whoever pitches that Giants game, if they're going to fly him out early, just because it's going to be such a quick turnaround. Yeah. I'm curious. I would imagine yeah. so. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, I just think with the circumstance, you know, with it being Sunday night baseball and I mean, best case scenario, you're still going to be leaving really late. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I, you would think that Freddie Peralta would get that series opener against yeah. Philly and then probably Hauser and then TBD for Sunday. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying is we because just because Ashby's in the yeah. mix, we almost never know. Mm-hmm. looking ahead how it's going to line up because they're going to move them back and forth. That's kind of going to be the plan of when they need them. And this is a very heavy April schedule relative to the well, last year. They had a off day every week in April, I think. So this is a little different April than most. So it helps to have that sixth guy to kind of put in there. So, well, let's, let's do another break. Uh, and when we come back, we will discuss uh, some more very important topics. That is how it is worded in Ezra Siegel's outline guys. So, very important topics coming up like brunch and brewers prospects. I would say those are two very important things and we'll be right back. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy all in one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC pro recharge kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. We are back on the Brewers Unfiltered podcast. We have a rapid round to finish things off this week. And we'll start with a very important question. Do you wordle Tim Dillard? Yeah. Oh, it was a tough one today and I got it. Ooh, don't tell me didn't. I haven't done I can't it yet. wait to yeah, I can't wait to text her and tell her that I got it. Sophia, are you cheat. a wordler? <laughs> I'm not. Ooh. I think I'm like the only person who has not played. Well, it, like the social media pressure at the whatever it was, right before the start of spring training, I think, or right before the start of the minor league camp was intense. So good for you for holding it's off. Very intense. Yeah, I feel like, you know. People are very proud of their Wordle scores, <laughs> sharing them on the social still, media. Still every at day. this time. And I still don't really understand oh. scoring. Like, I still, I, I mean, it's like I see the graphic, I see like, you know, four out of six or two out of six. I, I don't even really know what it means. So, well, we'll try it. And I good will. Good luck to all the Wordlers. I will say that inside the clubhouse, Wordle is really big. Like the relievers, the bullpen core is very into Wordle, which is really hard, where it gives you a country of the world and you have to guess where it is or what it oh, is wow. oh, so that's okay. another one so Sophia we'll fire up your phone today while we're standing around after BP <laughs> with nothing to do <laughs> and we'll we'll look at those okay, okay baseball question and we're supposed to go quick here so we're off to a very poor start do we see Ethan Small before the all-star break Sophia oof 
No. Hmm. Tim? I, I would say no, but it needs explanation. I mean, it's it's hinging on, you know, what the needs are with the team. But right now they're For sure. pitcher heavy and yeah. Yeah. So far they haven't. Same. I mean, this has got to be the latest into a David Stearns team that they haven't made a roster move, right? Right. I meant to look that up and I'm I'm going to look this up to see if they've ever gone. I mean, my God, it's been 11 games. They haven't made a bullpen move to bring in a fresh arm, which they'll do. They have they have all these guys with uh, with options that they can move back and forth. So Ethan Small would have to be added. Well, the to the rosters floor. will shrink. The rosters will shrink after a starting May on May, May 2nd. 2nd. Yeah. So um, I'm going to go with, yeah, I, I, I will say, yes, he is up. I'm just going to be the contrarian here and just say that there's a move somewhere where they need a guy and Ethan Small, if he keeps pitching the way he's pitching, he is definitely going to make his way up. Okay. What is your go-to brunch spot in Milwaukee, Tim Dillard? Brunch? Does it have to be super brunch? Or well, can it, it be super I mean, there's no rule. I think, we've de- I think we've determined in four episodes of the podcast that there's no rules. Yeah. Uh, I like pancake house. I just go in there get a big giant pancake kind of kicks my, kicks my day. And I sleep late except for today when y'all woke me up for this. So <laughs> <laughs> pancake house, here I come. Well, actually I got to do my laundry first. So the snack machine at the laundromat is my, <laughs> is my go-to, go-to brunch, brunch right spot. Now. <laughs> yeah. That's very big league right there. Very big league. <laughs> Sophia, I bet you have some good spots. Yes. I love uncle Wolfie's. Ooh, good one. Um, I love uncle Wolfie's. I like, um, not necessarily a brunch spot, but you can make it one is, um, interval coffee. Mm. And I love some of their, you know, they mix up their menu. It's my neighborhood. I love their avocado toast with the egg and, um, what else? Um, I also like, um, kind of sneaky, good breakfast spot is cafe at the plaza. Oh, you took mine. (laughs) Yeah. That's mine. Easy. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> and and it's almost like you don't, you have to like whisper it like Cafe Plaza. Right. Yeah. It's fantastic. The best. Why don't we talk about it more? Why do, Why haven't we gone there more? Let's go. Let's go have a podcast planning meeting. I just we wrote could all do these a down. podcast At from Cafe the, plaza. At the plaza. Like we should put the microphones on the counter, clinking of forks. Yeah. That's great. I love the Plaza Cafe. Love it. Yeah. Okay. This is a good sponsor us cafe. We're doing this in every episode so far. Basically we're trying to like (laughs) pander to local businesses to try to get some, (laughs) some free food and it's mostly food so far. Okay. Here we go. Best brewers uniform. So you have four choices, the cream pinstripes, the grays or the Navy. We should have to rank them. I think Sophia, why don't you go first again, man? Um, are we, so are we ranking? Well, I mean, or which one's your favorite? Again, there's okay. no rules. You can just say. I am, I am just, I am partial to the retro pinstripes. I've just always loved that look. I've loved that they've, you know, in the past they've done the retro Fridays. Um, I just, it's a classic baseball look. It's clean. I like the colors. Um, that is probably my, my favorite. Tim, what's yours? Yeah, uh, the bile well, ones from 2006, the yellow yeah, ones. Right. That, any that any uniform, <laughs> any uniform yeah. is my favorite. <laughs> any jersey. That is a really good answer, yeah. actually. No, uh, the the pinstripe. You know, years ago when we used to do that, uh, they didn't always fit right. You know, like that was the reason we didn't wear them more is because guys that actually played, not me, I didn't play that much, but guys were like they didn't. It was uncomfortable wearing the uniforms. They make them better now, but at the time, 
Uh, they were very, they were, they were difficult. Like didn't have a belt, you know, had a drawstring and, you know, buttons. Uh, but, but I would say that whoever did the branding on the whole Brewers thing the last few years is, is done outstanding. I, I just like what they wore last night, just that cream, that white. Um, and I love the helmets that has the yellow on the front. Yeah. Those are fantastic. I want, I want that. Like I want to eat. That's all Jason. Yep, Schauger. I want to eat Schauger, nachos, yep. like a nacho out of that <laughs> helmet. Uh, <laughs> that's all I want to do in life. But yes. And I do like the, the navies. the Navy's good, but, uh, yeah, that's, those are my two. Well, the gentleman who designed the the new logo sadly just passed away a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was a really cool guy, and he spent like years like learning about the culture of the city and coming up. You know, they do so much work before they make even those what what are relatively subtle changes to the logo, but they had all these thoughts behind all of it. So he was a lot of the behind a lot of that rebranding when they did it a couple of winters ago. So. To me, the cream, I love the cream unis. I think they're the best. And probably this would be everyone's number four. My second favorite are the gray. I love the road grays. And I wish they wore them more. Because they look, I know everyone is kind of like, nah. They can't wear I them just, at home, Adam. Well, I know. But <laughs> on just the road, they should wear them. They, it's not they, allowed. I, I would say the one you see the most, like in the stands, is the navy. I don't know. I just, I like the grays. I wish they wore the grays more. But I, but I will say, my favorite, I'm going to preemptively say, my favorite is the City Connect. Because we're trying to get Jason Schauger. We keep mentioning him. He's the equipment manager. He's been the, the longtime Brewers equipment manager. And, like, there's no person in the world more detail-oriented than Jason Schauger. Like, every sticker, every little, like, if you look really closely, especially on the road, at all the little details that, like, he has where everything matches the uni that they're wearing that day, like, everything matches. And it's all because of Schauger. He says the City Connect are going to be, like, awesome. And we keep trying to bribe him to show us. We've been working on him since like spring training when they announced that this is coming out in June, I think. It was supposed to be 414. That was supposed to be the debut of the City Connect with the original schedule. But then that got changed. So, so no one the, no one has seen them yet? N- well, someone has no. seen them. <laughs> so, Only Shogger? Like, Shogger has definitely seen them. Shogger. You know, you know Rick Schlesinger has seen them. You know, Council doesn't miss anything. He's, I'm sure, seen them. Brad Boxberger has seen them. We've kind of tried to work on box on the side. But he's nobody will. Uh, he's a vault. He ain't Sharon. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's an old vet. He's not going to. Are they, ca- are they the keeping line. these uniforms in the pitching lab? Is that why no one is. Oh, that is such a good. Yet another reason to try to get in the lab, man. <laughs> I can't wait. I love the City Connect stuff yeah, that I've well, seen. Some and, of them are good. Some of them are bad. But <laughs> some. Yeah. Even the bad ones are good in like a yeah. bad way. Uh, so I'm really. We're trying really hard to see him. I just want to peek. I, I won't share it. I just want to peek. <laughs> Okay, one more we have. How about uh, favorite broadcaster growing up? Tim, Tim, did you have a favorite broadcaster or, or someone who inspired you to want to do this as like a second career? Wow, this is deep. Um, but yeah, I, I grew up and we had WGN. It was Harry Carey. We had three stations, you know. So as a kid, I hi, everybody. You know, <laughs> let's pause for station identification. WGN Chicago. Hi, we're back. You know, uh, in, in honesty, like even though my dad played and coached and, and all that stuff, it was probably what I was attracted most to baseball was the broadcasting because of him. He made games fun. I'm pretty sure he was sauced a little bit as the game went on, but I didn't know that as a kid. Uh, but yeah, then I grown to love baseball and did that for, you know, ever. And then now I'm in the broadcasting realm. But that, yeah, it was Harry Carey. He just made the game fun. Sophia, who is yours? Um, I... 
this is a tough question. I feel like the first woman that I can remember seeing regularly in sports was like Pam Oliver yeah. on the football sidelines. Um, I would say like Leslie Visser would fall into that category as well. Um, Hannah Storm. Um, those are kind of the women that I can remember seeing on like a national stage. And unfortunately, they weren't covering baseball. There just weren't, um, you know, a lot of females covering baseball at that point. And I don't think at the national level as well. So those are kind of the women that I first remember seeing as a kid um, and seeing them on a consistent basis. So I think those those were kind of like the first examples that I remember. Um, and, you know, now it's like, when I was um, going into my senior year at Marquette and I was able to intern at ESPN in Connecticut, I got to meet just like some incredibly talented women who were incredibly kind. And Wendy Nix is um, one of the first women that comes to mind of of people there who were like beyond kind to, you know, college interns and let me shadow her and um, just really inclusive. So um, yeah, those are those are the women that I kind of remember coming up. Well, mine growing up here in Milwaukee was, you know, Bob Uecker introduced me to baseball, basically. And I every year at Easter, I have this such a clear memory of that Sunday. I can't say I was there like 200,000 people say they were there. But I remember so clearly being in my grandma's backyard off Highway 100 in West Dallas. And it was like 80 degrees. Everyone remembers it was super warm day. And we had the radio on and we were sitting outside because it was like this rare Easter where you could do that. And I don't know if we had a little, my, maybe my dad had a high life or something like that. We were just sitting, sitting, hanging outside and had the game on. And, and I just remember hearing those home runs. And um, that is such a strong memory to me. So it was definitely you can on the writing side, just because I, you guys are the broadcasters, I'm the writer. I have to name one writer. Mike Bauman was a long time Milwaukee journal columnist and then journal Sentinel. And then he went to work for MLB.com. And for like, I don't know, 15 years or something, I got to work with him. And it was really cool because I used to like save the green sheets from the paper. And um, so many of them have Mike Bauman columns in them. So it was really cool to get to work with him and become friends with him. And now we do a burger tour. We go to lunch every now and then we're doing like, we're trying to find Milwaukee's best burger. So we've like hit all of the, all the spots you would have thought we've hit. So we're moving on to kind of like that second, we're trying to find the sneaky good spots, but we haven't done it for a while. So this is a good uh, reminder to hit up Mike Bauman and, you know, see him. So anyway, that's, that's what we have today for everybody. So we, we thank you for listening. We've done four episodes. I'm so happy that Sophia has joined the fold. Sophia, will we see you more? Yes, of course. I can't wait. Thank you for having me on today. Well, we, we definitely appreciate it. And uh, we, like I said, at the, off the top, we definitely need to mention again, Brad Ford. he will be back eventually, but he's playing dad right now. And we're super, we're pumped that he had a little girl and that uh, she's already listening to lots of Brewers games. So tune in next time, but you can stay in touch with us as everybody knows for more from Tim, you can give him a follow. I mean, who doesn't do this already, but if you're like the one person listening that doesn't follow Dim Tillard on Twitter and Instagram, Sophia, you're just at Sophia Minert on yeah, Twitter. Insta- your Instagram <laughs> is fantastic. All that stuff from the sidelines. And I'm Adam McCalvey on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And make sure you're following the Brewers on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And as I said, well, there's more, right? They're on Facebook. They're on everything. So follow the Brewers and stay in touch. And we will 
sometime, somehow next week, we're going to film, you know, or record an episode. What do you I'm raising to? my hand. I have. Yeah, I, I know. I want, I'm, I'm waiting. Yeah, yeah. I, I just thought you were going to talk. I can see you. The you thought I was waving by. No, I'm wait. No, uh, everybody, if you like the show or if you don't, write a review, right? And yeah. five stars, like all that kind of stuff. Because we look at that. I look at that every day because I'm wanting to see if who's listening. And everybody that's passed me on the concourse has, has had great feedback. So now we want to see it in writing because that helps for some reason, right? And and I would just say, like, if you see us and tell, tell us what you want of this. Like, to me... Like it, I said this, I think at the beginning, this is kind of a blank slate and we can talk about wh- whatever is on people's minds. So if there's a topic that you'd like to hear, uh, we've already done our brunch recommendations. I'm sure that was at the top of everybody's <laughs> I'm list. I'm waiting for the burger recommendation now. Oh, okay. Let's do burgers. I have, I'll, I'll, I'll save it. Yeah. I'll save it for next time. But, but honestly, like, yeah, you know, Tim's, especially Tim, he loves when people come say hi. Bring it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let us know what you want. Write a review. Tell your friends. Subscribe if you don't already to this podcast, and it'll show up on your phone magically every Tuesday, including next week when we will somehow figure out how to do it after I get off a plane in Pittsburgh. So we'll 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 work on that, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.